you want to turn in your Bible. You're going to need to have a copy of God's Word because we're going to read two chapters, if you can believe that. But we're just going to kind of work our way through that, and then I'm going to pull some points out here. It's a story about Joshua and the Israelites. They are coming into the promised land. And, and our guest speaker last week from Trinity Bible College, um, Brian Jacobson, talked about um, uh, the judges during the time of the judges. He talked about Deborah, right? Um, and uh, kind of that allegiance, people coming alongside her, uh, leading them out of that time. So this would be prior to that. This is when they go into the promised land, and it's called promise because God gave it to them, says, hey, this is the land I'm going to give you. He promised it to Abraham, and so they go in and they take possession of that land. Um, And so this, we're going to kind of do the account of them crossing the Jordan and... uh, look at some events there. So Memorial Day remembers men and women who have died in military service serving our country, whether they died on the battlefield or from wounds that resulted from battle shortly after. Um, And so it's to honor those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so the video that we showed just shows the price of freedom, doesn't it? That it has come to protect our nation, our values. Uh, And even in our prayer time this morning, we talked about it. America is a little bit unique in just our religious freedoms that we hold and we cherish dearly, right? And that sets us apart. Not every country in the world has that. Very few countries have that freedom that we do. And so um, those things are worth protecting. And uh, I think there are, uh, even in our current culture right now, those things are under attack, right? And so... um, It's more than just safety. It is also the values that we cherish. Across our nation, we have many memorials calling us to remember uh, the sacrifice of those that have served, right? So I've been to several of them. I think there was maybe just one of them that I haven't been to. So let's look at a few of them. First one that we have, there's the World War II Memorial. And uh, I'll have Theo bring that up. World War II, that is in Washington, D.C., and uh, so we've been there since that. W- that's one of the newer ones uh, that was completed there, and it's a beautiful one. And then you have Iwo Jima that's also in Washington, D.C. That's to the Marine Corps, all right? And uh, so I've been to there. I went when I was on a high school uh, trip for close-up on my senior year. I went to that one. And then the USS Arizona, which is located where? Hawaii, at Pearl Harbor. So Amy and I went there for our 25th, we went to Hawaii, and so we got to see that. And it's right over the, the battleship Arizona's underneath there. And you can still see um, oil coming up to the surface from uh, that ship, all right? And uh, it's, it kind of just takes you back, so, all right? And then also the Punch Bowl, which is also um, in Honolulu there. It's just up the hillside a little bit. It's called the Punch Bowl because it's kind of in a crater, volcanic crater area there. And so that is a memorial to all those that have died in the Pacific, any wars that have had to do with the Pacific Ocean. So it's a memorial to those that have died there. And a very beautiful, very beautiful place uh, from all the different wars, but they died in the Pacific. And then you had the Vietnam Memorial. Um, I don't know, I don't think we had anybody in Vietnam that I'm aware of, but you had the Vietnam Wall, so that is the memorial. Uh, those that died there, I think it was right around 90,000, if I'm not mistaken, if I uh, was looking at that correctly. And then you had the Korean conflict, so my dad uh, served briefly in the Korean conflict, and I don't think I've been to that one. 
Um, but that's the Korean conflict or war. And then you have Arlington itself, um, which is, um, has the tomb of the unknown soldier, right, if you've been there. So um, just one of our military um, cemeteries. And then you also have the monument there to the tomb of the unknown soldier. So uh, that's usually Memorial Day. There will probably be a service that is right there at that point, at that moment there. Um, all right. So those are different memorials, but why do we do memorials? Um, I want us to look at Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to look at a memorial from Scripture and just see what memorials accomplish in our life, okay? So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Pray that you would uh, speak to us uh, through the life of Joshua and the Israelites, Lord, and the importance of memorials. Just as we recognize this Memorial Day weekend, and there will be services all across our nation tomorrow, recognizing those that gave their life for our country. Father, um, let us see what you have to say about memorials in Scripture. We give you the thanks. We ask in your name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 3. So either your electronic version or um, the good old bound paper version. All right, so they are going to cross the Jordan River. So they get up to the Promised Land once. After they left Egypt, but because they didn't have faith, only Joshua and Caleb had faith to believe to go in to conquer. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness until that generation dies off. Now they have a generation that is ready to go in and take the land. Even Moses isn't allowed to go in because of some disobedience there. You know, he brought water from the rock. Instead of speaking to the rock, he hid it, and God said, Hey, you disobeyed me. And so he gets to see the promised land from the mountain, but that's where he dies. He never actually gets to go into the promised land. The reins are now turned over to Joshua, okay? His apprentice, his, the one he's been mentoring through those years, and he was also one of the spies that had faith. So he will lead them into the promised land. So they're at the edge of the Jordan. They're ready to cross over, and their first battle would be Jericho. So we're not going to get into Jericho. We're just going to look at the crossing of the Jordan River. So it says, verse 1, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it, okay? So as the ark went before them, they're supposed to follow this, all right? Verse 4, then you will know which way to go since you have not been this way before. In the wilderness, I think they had been, <laughs> they kind of knew the wilderness pretty good after wandering there 40 years, right? Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits, about six feet apart, if you get the joke there. <laughs> <laughs> you know about social distancing, right? All right, that was just a joke. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What's consecrate? Consecrate means to just kind of maybe go through that process of forgiveness and saying, God, is my heart clean and pure before you? Uh, confessing those things. God's going to do great things among you. So Joshua, verse 6, uh, said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. And so they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. 
So he is taking over for Moses. And Moses was like, almost like God to the people, right? They revered Moses. They, um, they followed him. And now you have Joshua, this younger man that is now taking the reins. And God says, I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he is certainly will drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. I was going to have somebody read that, but I... All right. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. This is what we want to catch. One from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth, and set foot in the Jordan, the waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap. Kind of like a big old beaver dam, right? God's going to put this invisible dam and the water is going to be stacked up. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage. Great, right? Some people have wondered, well, it was maybe just a trickle or a little stream or that God dammed up. No, it was at flood stage. All during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who are carrying the ark reached the Jordan and the feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarephan. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabath, which is also called the Dead Sea, to the south, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now, there, there could be a million to two million people that are going to cross through this, okay? Of the Israelites. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up how many stones? Twelve stones. From the middle of the Jordan River. Okay? And from right where the priests are standing, carry them over with you and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together all the twelve men that had been appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on his shoulder. So we're talking some big rocks here. According to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of priests of the Israelites, tribes of Israelites. And as the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. And Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at that spot where the priests had carried the Ark of the Covenant that had stood and are there to this day. 
Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua had been done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priests came to get to the other side while the people watched. The people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh also crossed over. And that's important because their property was located on the east side of the Jordan. So they're actually going to send people across to fight to gain possession of the other part on the west side. Okay, So um, they were ready for battle in the front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua, Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the Israelites, the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. And on the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal. So Gilgal would be an important place on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal all the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he did, had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you, mate, you might always fear the Lord your God. Amen. Amen. That was a lot, but let's go on and build from that. What do memorials, what are they about? Well, first of all, they tell us a story, right? And so if you're taking notes, um, you, can, you can jot that down. They tell us a story. The 12 stones that were set up as a memorial would serve as a talking point, and their children would say, hey, what are these stones about? That's kind of cool. And they could say, oh, that is a memorial. That's a reminder that back in such and such a date, God dried up the Jordan rivers so that the Israelites could come across and they could prepare for battle to attack, attack Jericho. God was able to stop the Jordan River just as he did the Red Sea. It served as a talking point so that they could tell future generations of what took place. You know, I wasn't alive when Pearl Harbor took place. I know some of you maybe remember that. Maybe you were, uh, you, uh, were watching TV or heard it on the radio. I was uh, someplace where Tom Osborne was speaking here in the last couple of weeks, actually here in Crete. And he just talked about how his family was gathered around uh, their living room listening to the radio. And uh, when his father heard that, he, uh, he went and enlisted. He wasn't drafted. He went and enlisted and served, I think, five years um, 
because of what took place at Pearl Harbor. And I don't think he was probably the only one. I think there were others that when they heard what happened at Pearl Harbor, that really initiated people signing up and to enlist and be part of that. Uh, so when Amy and I went to Hawaii, we saw, we saw the USS Arizona. We saw Pearl Harbor and uh, the events that took place. And uh, there's something about being there. It tells the story. You can still see the wreckage, right? You can still see the ship that is sunken below the surface there uh, of what took place. You know, it's not everything, but it does tell a story of what happened and what took place. You know, once a month, we usually partake in communion. Why do we do that? Because it tells a story, right? Jesus says, whenever you meet partake of communion. Why? Because he wants us to remember what Jesus did on the cross and to tell the story that Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins. It tells a story. So memorials tell a story. Secondly, memorials remind us. So telling the story is probably more for the future generations. Reminding is probably for present generations, right? Now, I know none of you never forget, right? You don't forget your anniversary. You don't forget your wife's birthday or your husband's birthday. We, we never forget, right? But we do. And we, for, we can easily forget some of the great things that have happened maybe even not that long ago. And so this memorial that of the 12 stones would be at this key spot, and as people saw it, they would be reminded of what God had done, not only just the future generations, but the present generations that had seen the hand of God. And you would think that, you know, the people that had witnessed that, there's no way that they would ever forget. But if you go into the book of Judges, Joshua dies, right? And it says, after Joshua dies, what happens? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And so as long as Joshua was alive, providing leadership, they served God. But the minute Joshua passes on, then everybody did what was right in his own eyes. Some probably still followed God, but others went their own way. And so then you have the book of Judges. And so um, our speaker last week kind of talked about that. Six times they repeat the cycle of where they would fall into sin and then they would cry out to God because they're being judged. They lost favor with God and then... And then God would hear their prayers, raise up a judge, deliver them, and then they would serve God for a generation, and then they would fall right back into that same cycle again. Um, we need memorials not only to tell the story, but also to remind us of what God has done. And that's so important. You know, Memorial Day for in our culture, and, and you know, if, and if you're watching online, I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but... In a lot of ways, Memorial Day has become the first vacation holiday of the year, of summer, right? And it is a holiday, but I have a feeling if you go out to the Memorial Day services, you're not going to see a ton of people there. And, and it's been a while since we've been, I mean, we had Afghanistan, and we've had uh, some other global conflicts, right, and the Persian Gulf War, but... Um, it's been a while since we've been like in World War II or World War One or Vietnam. And we can take for granted, we forget those things. We forget the lives that were lost. We forget the sacrifice of those that have fought. 
And even, even after they have fought, the things that they've witnessed. Um, so Amy and I saw a movie. It just came up on our... It's called The Railway Man. Anybody ever seen it? And uh, it has to do with World War II. They were British soldiers that were caught um, by the Japanese. And they were forced to do the railroad work there, um, um, north of Japan. And, in, and I think maybe even in Sing- I don't know. But anyway, they were just the, the brutality that they had to face. And uh, he survived it. He survived it. And it's just an incredible story of, uh, and even of forgiveness at the end, uh, of how he forgave um, one of his captors. So it reminds me of that movie, Unbroken, that Billy Graham put out uh, that was a similar message. Um, so memorials tell a story. They remind us. Thirdly, they inspire us. They inspire us. So if you go to verse 24, he says that God did all this so the people of the earth might know the powerful hand of the Lord and that you might always fear the Lord your God. You know, whenever I go to a memorial, especially a war memorial, it it changes me to some degree. It causes me to reflect. It causes me to look at the sacrifice that people made. It changes me. It calls me to be a better person to some degree and to appreciate what I get to enjoy. It challenges me. It inspires me. In the case of Joshua and the people, the large stones were a reminder. Well, so they set up the 12 stones, but then if you go to the last part of Joshua, he even sets up a large stone. And he goes, today I'm coming before you. I'm about ready to pass on. But today, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord, right? So sometimes, some of you maybe even have that up on your wall. Uh, A picture says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So that comes from Joshua. And he sets up a stone and he calls them to a commitment saying, who are you going to serve? And they say, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to honor him. And uh, so he sets up this large stone as a witness to them of their commitment to serve God. You know, some memorials, they serve that purpose to inspire us, to challenge us. And in our, in verse 24, it says that you might always fear the Lord. It was to inspire them to, to do what was right, to honor God and to fear God. There was going to be temptation. We face temptation every day. They faced temptation as well. Um, and they would even struggle with idolatry. They would struggle with all sorts of other sins that we also struggle with. But the memorials were to serve as an inspiration to calling them to better a better life, to serve God, and to do what was right. And some memorials do that. Um, they challenge us. They inspire us towards excellence, commitment, to be the best that we can be. I'm going to have the musicians come. I'm going to probably get you out of here by 11 today. But back in 2017, I think I maybe showed this once before. I was in Virginia Beach for a class. And a couple of the, my fellow students were Navy chaplains. And I had heard that there was a memorial on the Norfolk Navy base. So there's several of them. I think there's five naval bases there. And I've, I was able to see three of them while I was there. So I got to see the, uh, the Mercy Ship. 
and was just getting ready to go to Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico had had that hurricane that it went through. Do you remember that? So uh, that was there. I got to see all these battleships, man. When you see them in real person, they're just they're just huge, you know. Um, but the place that I really wanted to see was a memorial. It's to uh, it's called the USS Cole Memorial. Son Theo, I th- there you got it. There it is. So that's me standing by that. And I couldn't go there on my own. Because now all of our bases, because of the security, security, they've moved it back so far, that that's located actually on the base. So the only way I could get in there was because I had a friend that was a chaplain, and we just cruised right in there, and he took me to it. And there it is. You can see Chesapeake Bay there, I believe. Or Hudson Bay, one of them. I think it's Chesapeake. Uh, that is there. And uh, you can see that. And if you can show the next picture there, Theo. And I don't know if you can see that, but the third name down is uh, is Kevin Rux. Kevin Sean Rux, age 30. Um, they lost his life. See the different names there. He was one of the older ones. There was the one I was also 32. Uh, but Kevin was uh, attended our church when I was a teenager back in Finley, North Dakota. And hunted with his family a little bit, and uh, he went on to to serve in the Navy, and uh, he re-enlisted because uh, he enjoyed what he did. He was a technician, and so after his four years were up or whatever, he just stayed in there. But when that ship was attacked by a, um, it was terrorists, they had this inflatable, I think, stuffed with bombs and um, explosives, and they just ran right into the ship, and the blast killed him, took his life, so... Um, but sometimes those uh, deaths strike a little bit closer to home to people that you know, right? Uh, that lost their life. And um, so there again, it was it was nice to go there and just say, you know what? Here was one of a friend, somebody that I knew that served our country and represented our com- our country well. Um, it calls us to be a better person. And it assures that that the life that was given isn't forgotten, right? The sacrifice that was given. One of the greatest memorials we have as a Christian is the cross, isn't it? The cross was a symbol of punishment and shame for the Romans. They used it to keep people in line and they used it as a deterrent because nobody wanted to die on the cross. It was the most gruesome, cruel way to die. But then Jesus would die on the cross, not for his own sins, but for our sin. And for the Christian faith, a a symbol of crucifixion, death, agony, became a symbol of hope, of life, of redemption, of forgiveness. And so, isn't that kind of ironic to you? That the cross, this instrument of pain and suffering, became a symbol of hope and redemption for us because it's on the cross that we find our forgiveness of sins and that Jesus took our sins upon himself when he went there. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. We try to do that every Sunday because I never know who's listening and who's here and and if today's your day. Um, But I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray and uh, as we do that this morning. Let's pray together, saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. 
thank you that you died on the cross for me. Lord, let me follow you with all my heart and soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Father, this morning I pray for each of us here. We're, we're here on Memorial Day weekend, Lord. and um, I pray that you are here to meet with us. I pray that um, we live in a great nation. Um, what makes it great is the people and the values that our country was founded upon. And I know that as we come to a weekend like this, I hope that we reflect upon that and reflect upon those that have that have fought for that for us. And um, people fight for different reasons, and and we uh, as Christians, maybe we're fighting on just for the moral the moral compass of our nation and um, to pray for our nation, to pray for those that are in military service, that God would watch over them and protect them. So, Father, this morning, as we uh, close out the service, I pray that your presence is here. Meet with us, I pray. And help us to learn the story behind the different memorials in our life across our nation. And on this Memorial Day, just to reflect upon the different um, sacrifices that were made and let it um, remind us, and most of all, let it inspire us to become better, to stand up for what is right and to serve you with all of our heart. Amen. Would you stand this morning? We're going to close with that song, Cornerstone, and let's uh, just worship the Lord together there. Amen. You know, as I was thinking about this song uh, earlier, it's Cornerstone, just usually memorials are made out of what? Stone, aren't they? Stone or metal. Yeah, so they just don't deteriorate. They don't, uh, they're there for a long time. And, um, yeah. Father, go with us this week. And uh, if we're able to take in a service tomorrow, oh God, um, we just pray uh, for the families that even still to this day, Lord, are uh, maybe dealing with the death of a loved one or, just pray that they may sense your comfort and your love, Lord God. Um, we thank you for the sacrifice of the men and women that have so bravely represented this country and nation, Lord. I pray you go with us, bless our gatherings, Lord, and be present amongst us, Lord. Encourage us, lift us up, Lord. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave. God bless you.